0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Truth and Liberty live call-in show. I'm Richard Harris, and we are just super excited to have you joining our program today. Uh, We have got a great guest lined up for you, one of the, literally, one of the best lawyers in America. And, uh, And it's gonna be a great conversation. I've got a stack of paper here this thick to talk about everything that's happening in the legal world, here in the United States today. Before we get into that though, uh, I wanted to just share some information with you. This week here on the campus of Karis Bible College in Woodland Park, Colorado, Flashpoint Live is coming, uh, kicking off their uh, their tour, um, I forget what they, t- uh, Save America or something like that. Anyway, it's going to be awesome. Gene Bailey is going to be here, Lance Wall now, Kylie Jean Tannehill, Mike Lindell, Hank Kuhneman, Luke Ball, Rick Green, and of course uh, our very own founder and president Andrew Womack is going to be speaking. So Thursday night and for all day Friday, Flashpoint Live is going to be here on the campus, and it's going to be a great event. So you need to register, though, because we expect a packed house. So just go to our website at awmi.net, register, and show up uh, early on Thursday, and you'll be sure to get a seat. Hey, also, if you live in the Riverside, California area, Andrew Womack is going to be there uh, February 15th, 16th, and 17th for uh, uh, his Gospel Truth Conference there, ministering along with Pastor Dwayne Sheriff of Victory Life Church in Durant, Oklahoma in Sherman, Texas. So uh, you won't want to miss, if you live in that area, to go and hear some incredible Bible teaching that'll change your life. You could register at awmi.net slash events. Also, guys, if you have not checked out the resources center on the Truth and Liberty site, you need to do that, truthandliberty.net. Did you know we have a pastor resource center on there? With uh, we, I've, I've taken all the resources that pastors need to turn their churches into uh, community impact centers right there in the fingertips and they can just go there and make it as easy as pie for your pastor to turn your church into a transformative agent in your community. And you know, one of the categories of links I've got on there are legal resources. And one of the so one of the resources I'm linking is to First Liberty Institute. And that brings me to our guest today, uh, attorney extraordinaire Kelly Shackelford is with me today. And Kelly is uh, literally one of the best lawyers in America. He's the president and CEO of First Liberty Institute, an organization that is dedicated to preserving our religious freedom. And uh, he's won more. This is an amazing statistic. I certainly could not claim this when I was practicing. Ninety percent of his cases, he's won. That's amazing and awesome. Argued before the U.S. Supreme Court, testified before the House and Senate. A uh, number of landmark First Amendment religious freedom cases. Uh, one of Ranked as one of Texas's 25 greatest lawyers of the past quarter century. A winner of the William Bentley Ball Award for life and Religious freedom, and I could go on and on. Kelly, thank you for coming on the show today, and and really for being such a great friend to religious freedom and the United States Constitution for all of us.
1: Well, thanks for having me on. It's a it's a privilege, and um, boy, there's a lot that we can talk about. Uh, we might have to do this more than one time in the future because there's uh, I tell you, the, the message I have to people is there's so much good news that they don't know about right now. It's like there's a lot of darkness in this country, but the one place we're seeing dramatic strides being made are religious liberty in the United States. So there's some, there's some great news that most people aren't hearing. Wow,
0: that's really good to know. And I, I want to hear about that. I'm, it, I was suddenly reminded of that scripture uh, that says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? And you know, if you look at the United States government, religious freedom is the foundation. It's what everything is built on. And if we're rebuilding that foundation, then maybe there's hope for our nation.
1: Amen, amen. I, you know, the one of the things I do when I talk to Christian audiences is I find that most Christians uh, think that religious freedom is important because they think I'll be able to to live out my faith. And I always try to help them understand. It's so much bigger than that. Uh, the The founders called it our first freedom because they understand if you lose this freedom, you will lose all of your freedoms. And the best way I can describe why that is true is the one thing that a totalitarian regime will never allow our citizens who hold an allegiance to one higher than the government. Mm-hmm. So whenever that type of oppression comes in, the first flashpoint will always be religious freedom. And if you lose there, you'll lose everything else. You'll lose your political freedoms, your economic freedoms, everything. So it really is the foundation uh, for a free society, and it's certainly the foundation for America. So. Some of this turnaround that's happening right now uh, is pretty significant. Uh, And uh, I don't know exactly where the Lord's going. I just know He's going, because it's amazing (laughs) to watch kind of some of the things that I never thought would happen in my lifetime, they're beginning to happen.
0: Well, that's that's fantastic to hear. You know, I think a lot of people are aware of Roe versus Wade being overturned. Now, that's not strictly speaking, religious freedom, although they go, go, they do go together as we look at the rights of people to protest and speak out on the life issue. But uh, you know, coming up in May is the Truth and Liberty Awards Banquet, and one of your clients, Coach Joe Kennedy, is going to be receiving an award uh, from us at that event. We're really honored to be able to present that to him, but I know that case was a huge victory for religious freedom. Yes, You, you want to tell us about that one and, and other stuff that's going on that, that you're excited about?
1: Yeah. um, Let me first set the stage a little bit, because most people don't know uh, how things work at the Supreme Court. Uh, They get about 8000 requests a year, and they took last year 59 cases out of of that smaller than normal. Yeah. The year before it was 67. So I just want people to think about if our goal over the last two years was to get the Supreme Court to take one of our cases. I mean our odds would be very low, I mean less than one percent and uh, we didn't just have the court take one of our cases. We won four cases at the Supreme Court in thirteen months, all religious liberty, three of them are what I would call major precedents overturning over fifty years of case law uh so just I just say this to say only God could do that i mean mm. i I could come up with the greatest business plan 40 years ago and work at it my whole life and that would have been the stupidest business plan ever. You can't do that. I mean, the odds, I mean, I don't know if that's ever happened. And mm-hmm. and so when you look at these changes and how dramatic they are for religious freedom, you just realize God's doing something here. And uh, so I'll use the Coach Kennedy as one example. Um, I think most people know Coach was in uh, uh, the Marines, got out. Um, As a coach, he made a promise to God. He said, at the end of every game, you know, when people go and mill around on the field and make reservations for dinner and, you know, talk, the first thing I'm gonna do is go to a knee at the 50-yard line and thank God for the privilege of coaching these young men. And he did that for seven years until they said, if you do it again, we're gonna fire you. Well, he made a pledge to God, so he did it, and they fired him. And unfortunately for Coach Kennedy, uh, when we took his case, we knew this, but he lives in the Seattle area, mm-hmm. not exactly a friendly venue for uh, courts. And then it goes from there to the Ninth Circuit, uh, which, you know, you're talking San Francisco and, uh, you know, not, not, not the worst circuit uh, as far as uh, the left wing goes. And so he lost uh, every step of the way. Uh, we lost every step of the way. But we made it to the Supreme Court and won a a 6-3 victory. And that's important. Uh, You know, I mean, there never been a case in the history of our country on the rights of either teachers or coaches with regard to their faith. This is the first one. So this affects a lot of people. But what most people know, Richard, is uh, they know that Coach Kennedy gets to pray, that he gets to go back, and he did. He went back as a coach. He went to that 50-yard line. He went to a knee. But that's about all they know. What they don't know is, within the opinion, something really dramatic happened. There's a case that goes back 50 years called Lemon. It's aptly named, it's a lemon of a case. It, it, we have an establishment clause that says we don't want the there to be a national, uh, nationally established church because that's what the founders dealt with, Church of England, and they knew that that would take away from their religious freedom. They would have to support that. So we have an establishment clause. Well, 50 years ago in Lemon, The Supreme Court said, you know, we think it means more than it says. Mm -hmm. Uh, So for instance, normally you can't bring a lawsuit if you're offended. But we're going to make one exception. If you're offended by religion, you can bring a lawsuit. Mm -hmm. And number two, we're going to say that separation of church and state, anywhere government is, religion can't be. And uh, of course, government's everywhere. And so this is what led to our whole lives watching attacks against nativity scenes at Christmas. Um, you know, Ten Commandments being pushed into the closets. Uh, if there's any sort of religion at school, uh, you know, it's like the school's on fire. Why? Because any of those things are in the Constitution? No. Because of the Lemon case. And it was cited over 7,000 times wow. in the last 50 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, in the Coach Kennedy case, you know, early in the, early in the opinion, you read, it says, Lemon is over. Lemon's gone. That's 7,000 citations. Everywhere that crosses went down, they can go back up now. Everywhere that a Ten Commandments was pushed into the closet, he can roll it back out. Um, You know, nativity scenes, we've seen our whole life. You can't do that. You can now. Uh, It's just nobody knows. Nobody knows everything's changed. This is the the biggest deal is God has just opened up all this freedom and, and everybody's not aware because they've been trained for 50 years not to do things, not and and I tell you, Richard, it's dramatic the things we're seeing people do that we haven't even thought of. Um, so I mean, Texas within months immediately passed a law that allows for chaplains in every public school in the in the state. Wow, um, I mean that's just one of like a gazillion ideas of people can do now to just let religious freedom roll and. Uh, so that's just one example. That's one case, and that's yeah. one 50-year reversal that is so big for our culture. But um, you know, one, of our, one of our more aggressive attorneys came busting into my office the day after uh, the opinion. He said, I need $20 million. And I said, excuse me? He said, I need $20 million. And I said, why do you need $20 million? He said, we've got over 7,000 citations that were just thrown out. We have to go into every community, of every state. We've got to open these, reopen these cases, and we're going to need a lot of people. Lot, and, I, and I looked at him and I said, You know, I, I, I love your heart, <laughs> but I said, This is not about us taking back the country. We've already won. Yeah, good. This word. is about people in their communities taking back the country. I said, We just need to tell them that they can do these things now and let them go. And if they have any problems, they can call us. I mean, they, but we've already won. We've won the case. We just have to now really walk in that freedom and establish all the specifics uh, of what that means. And so we created a, a website called Restoring Faith in America, RFIA.org, just, just to let people know what happened. If they need a place to go and see and read the case and then read some examples of things they can do, um, RFIA.org, RestoringFaithInAmerica.org. But really, it's endless I mean, it really is. God has just really opened a door with this, and and that's just one of the three major precedent-setting cases that I mentioned that we won in 13 months. So, so it's it's huge what God's doing right now.
0: Yeah, wow, that is uh, that is so exciting. I remember Kelly when I was in law school in the 90s, writing a law review article on Lemon and on uh, a case called Bowen versus Hendrick. I think some obscure. Oh thing. yeah, and I know that case it, too. <laughs> anyway, uh, wrestling with this uh, bizarre formula they created in Lemon that basically you, you, the government can, can't do anything or else it's guilty of endorsing religion, you know, can't get entangled right. with religion, can't establish, you know, and all this sort of stuff. It's just judge-made law. Thank God that's gone. Thank you for your work on that. It, just curious, uh, real quick, did the court create any new standard for, now, now, Coach Joe, that was a free exercise case. So did they, did First they- it was both, it was yeah. both. yes. Any they, new standard, or where are we, where are we now?
1: They, they did some great things. Uh, one of the things they said was, for years, what you know, my whole career, uh, what school districts will do or, or government entities will do is they'll say, well, we're not sure if it's an Establishment Clause violation or not, but we're concerned about that, and therefore that justifies our shutting down your free speech or your free exercise or whatever. And the court just gave the back of its hand to that whole argument. Mm. It said a shadow violation is no justification for stripping away people's First Amendment rights. So that's good in and of itself. The new test they replaced it with, which is fairly early on. I mean, we'll see how this gets developed more, but I would call it the history and tradition test, Mm. which is if something is going on that they're complaining violates the Establishment Clause and the same type thing was going on know in our history and tradition then that's not a violation of the establishment clause um you know we we hired chaplains the same founders who passed the first amendment had a paid federal chaplain who opened the congress with prayer Mm -hmm. so that's okay uh you know and so did we have prayer to open meetings sure we did you know i mean so a lot of these things you know the idea that in an athletic contest a coach couldn't go to the field and go to a knee and say a prayer Of course you can do that so this is this is kind of how they started with you know something that is 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 akin to what we have always done those things are presumptively constitutional no question we'll look at the other things as they come along
0: well that's fantastic news so real quick what's the website again for First Liberty where people can learn more about what you're doing connect with you and maybe find even legal help if they're facing challenges to their own freedom
1: yeah, it's real easy. Just spell it out, firstliberty.org, firstliberty.org. And I would encourage everybody to do one thing. Go to firstliberty.org, go down on the website, maybe a page, or, or you'll see something that says, Be an Insider. And if you click on that, and and uh, we'll, we'll send you an email every Friday. Uh, we try to take, there's a lot of stuff going on. We had uh, over 320 cases last year. So there's a lot of activity. But we try to take every week the three or four or five biggest things that happened in the world of religious freedom and we put it in that email. Uh, And it's just one page and you click and go further on that. So if they go to firstliberty.org and go down to that, be an insider, they can get that. That's important because, number one, you're not going to hear about a lot of these things um, and it's going to encourage and embolden you and everybody you share it with to live out their faith with much more boldness. Um, because the law is on our side in this country and there's a lot of intimidation. Of course, this is always how the enemy works, right? Uh, fear and intimidation and lies. Yeah. Um, and so this really counters that because the law is on our side, we're winning. In fact, now we're especially winning like we've never seen. And people need to be encouraged and to share this with other people so they can be encouraged.
0: Well, you were you were telling me just before we came on the air about a new resource you guys are working on. So we want to make sure you're you're only with us for a segment, uh, maybe a little bit more today. But I want you to tell folks about this thing called power of your vote. This is a big election year 2024. Um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that, but what's this power of your vote thing?
1: Well, you know, a lot of people really don't understand the law when it comes to elections, and a lot of Christians don't even think about their biblical responsibilities. I know pastors don't uh, at times, Um, and so, you know, I don't want to be political. Nobody's asking pastors to be political, but a good pastor equips the saints uh, to represent Christ in, in every part of life. Amen and God only created three institutions. He created marriage and family. He created the church and he created government. And so our interaction with government is part of interacting with what God created and we want to do that in the right way. And in this country it's so unique because we're the king. I mean, we don't we're not under a king. We are the king. So there's a stewardship responsibility and we're going to be held accountable for what we do and how we represent Christ in that voting booth. So What we did in this piece is a couple of different things. Number one, we tried to help everybody, every believer understand the importance of voting and how it impacts things that are littered throughout scripture. And we just, we said, here's just one example. Let's say you're voting for president. Um, Number one, that president is gonna impact what kind of judges are on the bench. And those judges are gonna impact, and we just started going through all the different things. You know, whether you have parental rights, um, you know, religious freedom, I mean, just just there's a long life, sanctity of life, uh, whether they could take your property without just compensation, uh, just on and on and on. That's just one issue, <laughs> you know? Religious freedom is a second issue. It can affect so many people. So it, people need to vote. It really it really impacts them in dramatic ways. And then the other thing we do, though, Richard, is we try to lay out for churches. There's a lot of fear. We say, look, here's what the law is on churches and elections. And really the truth is churches can do anything they really want to do. The The only thing that the IRS would say, and again, I think they would have a hard time winning against the First Amendment. The IRS would say that a, a church cannot endorse one candidate over another
2: mm-hmm.
1: as an entity and can't give money to one candidate over another. I I have never met a church that wants to say, First Baptist Church of blah endorses candidate A, and I've never seen a church that says, hey, we wanna open our church coffers to one of the candidates. Yeah. It's just not something that they want to do. All the things that even the IRS would say they can do, uh, you know, talk about every issue that is in the public arena and say, what does the Bible say about this? Uh, registering your people to vote. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, uh in, in, in getting voters guides and providing those so they have information on what the candidates' positions are on all these different you can even invite all the candidates to an office to your church to be in front of the church. And if just one shows up, that's fine. You you you've done exactly uh what is what is allowed under the law. And if let's say a bunch of them show up, great. Let's see some questions. Mm-hmm. I mean that, that what the church can do is almost unlimited. And so there's so much fear that is unjustified. So this is all in this and we keep it short so people don't you know, get fuzzy eyed reading a bunch of legal stuff. Uh, but it's called the power of your vote and really lays out how churches and pastors really should take part in their responsibility as well.
0: Well, and, and we were uh, just before coming on trying to figure out what the web address is for this. So let's share that. I don't think our guys in the control room have this ready. But uh, if you're watching today and you want to get a hold of this resource, be sure to go to firstliberty.org dot org. And then uh, if you do uh, forward slash power of your vote, so it's power dash of dash your dash vote, then yes. you should be able to find it. And i I wonder if maybe if they find your search bar and type in "power of your vote," it'll probably come up. So
1: they probably will. And I, you know, we're so new; it just literally came out off the presses today, the hard copies, oh. and uh, and so so you know, we're so quick. If they even wait a couple of days, it'll probably be on your resource center and and up on uh, our yeah. website. Uh, but it's a great way to really not only yourself but to help other people. Yeah, uh, because it's it's really sad the lack of Christian voting, uh, right. and if we could just have a small change, in in those who know the Word of God and are not voting, it would change everything in our country. And when you start seeing all these issues, I think you could start to understand that it really does matter. And so this idea of politics being something that Christians don't do, uh, no, it's it's part of our stewardship responsibility as citizens of the incredible privilege God has given us in this country that we get to choose who our leaders are and what our policies are and whether they're good or evil.
0: You know, uh, Kelly, the Family Research Council uh, issued a report yesterday on persecution against Christians in the West, West meaning the Western world, so Europe and the United States and Canada, and uh, they're finding that there's a big increase in the amount of persecution going on Uh, They chronicle 85 different instances of it in the United States alone, many in Canada, of course, many in England and in other European countries. And so, uh, you know, I was looking at some numbers. Donald Trump did an amazing job at appointing good constitutionalist judges. But now Biden's been in office a little over three years. Going to be four years if he makes it. But he's he's already got. I think the number was 170 appointments made. He's behind Trump a little bit. But how? If we just think, oh, okay, sit back on our laurels, we got this. Trump did what we needed. We got the Supreme Court now. How long will it be before we're back in the minority position on the court? I'm talking constitutionalist well, conservatism.
1: Yeah, not not very long. Um, I'll say this. I mean, we. Let me step back a second. Uh, when Trump got elected, we saw those 132 judicial seats that were open, which is very unusual. So we felt God really calling us to create the the best, most extensive vetting division of judges in the country, and and we did. Well, I think everybody in D.C. would now tell you we have the most data on judges and judge candidates than any group in the country. Um, and we, we just thought we were just going to be one of many groups. We found out not very many people were doing this work. Mm. Um, we need to pick good judges. These are lifetime appointments, and we can't make mistakes. Um, I will say this. Uh, Biden was going as fast as he could go to catch up with Trump, but he's not going to catch Trump uh, because of that 132. He, he's going to be slowing down a lot, uh, you're going to see, over the next... He's kind of run through the open seats that he had um, the other thing I'll mention is he has been appointing differently. Um, Trump appointed people that were constitutionalists that wanted to approach the Constitution in a certain way. Originalism, meaning, you know, what's the original meaning of the text, is, is their approach. Uh, and some people are like, well, why isn't that everybody's? No, some people believe that it's an evolving, living document and they just kind of read into it whatever they want. But Trump's people tried to change that, and and youngest ever appointed, so they'll be on the bench a long time. Uh, but Biden has been appointing people more based upon categories like what is their race, mm-hmm. what is their sex, what is their sexual orientation, and as a result, they're not as as uh, they're not as talented, and they don't have the credentials. Mm -hmm. That you saw uh, earlier uh, with the Trump judges overall. Um, And so so I think that's uh, even. So my point is, even if he appointed the same number, I don't think their firepower and their ability to convince uh, is anywhere near uh, the quality of judges that were appointed. But it really matters like who's the next president will affect a lot of these things and you know what that hopefully the presidents will say the presidential candidates will say here's some people I would put put on the Supreme Court if a seat opened up because that would tell us a lot and that would make a big difference on a lot of different issues uh, as we've already seen in just in the last you know few years Uh, so so it's a big issue and uh, and we're analyzing all these judges. Uh, we're getting the information out. There's a lot of people on the Judiciary Committee that that need data, and and we're trying to make sure that people know who people are so that they can make good decisions about who the best judges are. And we're certainly highlighting some of the really disturbing uh, people, who some of whom have been stopped uh, recently that have been tried to be nominated, very anti-Semitic uh, people. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we shouldn't be putting anybody like that on the court. Uh, real mistake. And so we've got to we've got to be diligent and uh, and we've got to elect good people both in the presidency and in the Senate who has to confirm to make sure we put good judges on the court. Well and
0: th- this just drives home you know from a constitutional lawyer's perspective again the importance of voting right and voting uh, according to biblical values, conservatism, voting according to the Constitution, you know, we just can't neglect this responsibility.
1: That's right. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and, and I think the sad thing is it's not like we have to come up with a brilliant plan. Uh, if, if, if the Christians who believe in the Bible will just vote, even a 10 percent uptick, everything mm-hmm. would change. Yeah. And so we've got to do a good job helping those of us who are our friends and family and everyone, you know, to take that responsibility seriously. The churches can easily register people to vote all over the country. Uh, no question about doing that. Yeah. And then the pastors should do their best to talk about this issue. Talk about the importance of standing on those biblical values and and evaluating candidates and, and how it, it really does mean something and how to represent Christ in the voting booth that that would could change our country very easily.
0: Absolutely. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for what you're doing. Thanks for coming on the show today. We are now up against our first break and I uh, was told that you've got another uh, engagement you've got to get to. So I just want to thank you and everybody at your office for what you guys do. Let's put his website up once again. Folks, if you need legal assistance in the area of religious freedom, where you want to check out their resources on freedom and what you can do to vote, what your church can do, what your pastor can do, there's a uh, few better places than First Liberty. So check that out today. Uh, Kelly, thanks again, brother. It's great having you on the program.
1: Thank you, Richard.
0: All right. We're going to go to a break. We'll be right back after this.
3: Andrew has many conferences and seminars around the globe each year.
0: For the latest information on Andrew's complete speaking schedule, visit our website
3: at awmi.net slash events.
1: You were created with a purpose, written in the heart of God.
2: Long before you were born, he is calling you to find it. We want to help you experience his unconditional love to be equipped and empowered to become a world changer.
0: Well, hello, everybody. we are back now with The Truth and Liberty Show. I'm Richard Harris. Our guest in the first segment was Kelly Shackelford, and wasn't that a great interview? You know, Kelly is always so encouraging. Uh, just love his uh, his uh, you know optimism and everything. He's absolutely right about the strides that have been made in the last few years on religious freedom and freedom of speech in America. It has been awesome, and uh, I'm I want to take the rest of today's show. Uh, To field your questions, of course, Um, I think many of you know this, but I'm an attorney as well um, and uh, would be happy to talk about the Constitution and religious freedom. But I I do want to talk about um, the issue of justice and courts and our legal system here in America, because um, even though we have made great strides in the area of religious freedom and even though we do have a lot of good judges now appointed by Donald Trump, um, I believe that uh, the Joe Biden presidency and the Obama presidency before Donald Trump uh, these bookends have done immense damage to the rule of law in America and uh, that we are in danger today. Uh, it be, uh, because of a threat of severe systemic corruption in our country that has been introduced intentionally uh, by progressives and, and leftists um, long ago. Long, they, they've been planning this for a long time, not to tout any kind of a conspiracy theory or anything, but the evidence for this is just too much uh, to ignore. And so what I want to talk about with you guys today is the state of our courts and of our justice system. Um, You know, there was a headline, I think it was on Friday, maybe, maybe it was over the weekend or whatever. But there was a, a group of, you know, now you can't even call them immigrants, now you have to call them migrants, but illegal immigrants. In New York City. Of course, New York is, is uh, straining under the weight of, of uh, massive numbers of illegal immigrants who have made their way to New York City. Uh, we have basically an open border uh, on the southern border of this nation. Um, we have 11 to 14 million people have come into this country illegally uh, under the Biden presidency, 14 million. Now, they they want to peg the number at six, but you, everybody's heard of Dr. Phil, right? Dr. Phil went down to the border um, to meet with border agents and uh, talking to him and he, he he asked him about that number and the border agents said, no, 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 it's actually much, much higher, much higher than six million. It's probably closer to 11 to 14 million people. and uh, And so in New York City, a band of these the illegal immigrants, um, was uh, in, a, police, uh, a couple of policemen encountered them and they, they jumped them and, be, and knocked them to the ground and began to beat mercilessly the police officer, kicking them in the, in the abdomen and in the face and in the head. Four of these guys were arrested, and I, I think they were charged with some kind of assault charge, but then they were let go without bail. And now I think most of America has seen the video of one of these guys walking out of the building giving a two-fisted shoot the bird at the American people, right? Flagrant, willful disregard, disrespect for America and for our laws. That's where we are. And we're there for a reason, right? This did not happen by accident. We are here because our presidential, uh, because our our government, our national government, and, and Joe Biden have intentionally disregarded the law and progressives and their wealthy billionaire funders have instructed them to disregard the law. George Soros has caused through his financial empire progressive attorneys throughout America in its big cities to be elected into positions of district attorney. These are the chief prosecutors. The one in New York City is Alvin Bragg. Alvin Bragg is the one who let these guys go. Um, these prosecutors uh, um, have no regard for the law, and as a result, our cities are now overrun, completely infested with crime, drugs, prostitution. Uh, you know, smash and grabs. I just heard the other day that the theft, the rate of theft in Los Angeles, is now up by over one hundred percent since a year ago, um, and so. Uh, I think to understand this situation, we as Christians need to step back and get to some fundamental principles here. According to the Word of God, government is, as Kelly said in the first segment, government is one of the institutions ordained by God, right? There's marriage and family, there's the church or Israel, and then there is government. In Romans chapter 13, Paul the Apostle wrote, he said, he's talking about government. He said in verse 3, RULERS ARE NOT A TERROR TO GOOD WORKS, BUT TO THE EVIL. WILT THOU THEN NOT BE AFRAID OF THE POWER? DO THAT WHICH IS GOOD, AND THOU SHALT HAVE PRAISE OF THE SAME. AND THEN IN VERSE 4 HE SAID, FOR HE IS A MINISTER OF GOD TO THEE FOR GOOD. BUT IF THOU DO THAT WHICH IS EVIL, BE AFRAID, FOR HE beareth NOT THE SWORD IN VAIN. FOR HE IS THE MINISTER OR THE SERVANT OF GOD, A REVENGER TO EXECUTE WRATH UPON HIM THAT DOETH EVIL. THE PURPOSE OF GOVERNMENT, ACCORDING TO THE BIBLE, IS TO RESTRAIN EVIL right? To, to serve the public good by restraining evil. You know, Abraham Lincoln said in, in um, the Gettysburg Address that our forefathers set up this nation, they set up the government of this nation to be uh, of the people, by the people, and for the people. Laws are are supposed to be for the people, for the good of the people. They are not supposed to be there to serve special interests, to line the pockets of politicians or to uh, 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 be a tool to punish political opponents and entrench uh, you know, government officials in power. The Bible says over and over again, repeatedly, God cares about the impartial application of the law. God cares about justice. You know, um, when the, when the Lord was giving the law of Moses, the law, the law to Moses, he said in uh, Leviticus chapter 19 in verse one, the Bible says, the Lord spake to Moses saying, you shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor nor honor the person of the mighty in righteousness. You shall judge your neighbor then if you look at verse 15, you shall do no injustice in judgment. In measurement of length, weight, or volume, you shall have honest scales, honest weights, and honest ephah, and the honest hin. I, and then in verse uh, 35, uh, he says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And there are many, many, many Bible verses. I mean, we're talking dozens of verses on God's commandment that we have just and equal scales and measurements, that he does not like uh, favoritism or partiality. And yet what we see in America today is we see corruption, Uh, throughout our government now, especially at the federal level, we see the government being weaponized for political purposes to be used by progressives against conservatives primarily. I'm not saying conservatives never do this, and I'm certainly not saying that conservatives will never do it, but I'm saying that right now we're seeing a progressive weaponization of our government. Um, You know, when Moses uh, was, was leading Israel, his father-in-law Jethro came to him and said, Moses, this is too big for you. You can't do it. You're going to break under the strain. He said, you need to uh, select out leaders from among the people. And so Moses did that. But the, the commandment of scripture came to him, Exodus 18:12, where it says, moreover, thou shalt provide out of the people able men such as fear God. Hear me now. It says, men of truth. So men who fear God and men of truth hating covetousness and place such over them to be rulers of thousands and rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties and rulers of tens. That's Exodus 18:21. The kind of people that we put in office need to be God fearing. They need to, um, they need to love truth and they need to hate covetousness. Well, I would venture to say that Barack Obama and Joe Biden have filled the American government with exactly the opposite kind of people. Now if you're serving in government or know someone who does and you may be a liberal and that doesn't describe you then you know I apologize for the overcharacterization but we don't need to look very far to find proof of what I'm saying. The Constitution of the United States commands the president to faithfully execute the laws. That means the president, is, he's not the lawmaker. Congress is the lawmaker. The president is the executive. His duty under the Constitution is to enforce the laws that Congress creates. And yet we have a president today, and we did under Joe Biden too, who is willfully refusing to enforce the laws of the United States uh, on the southern border, and is picking and choosing laws that he wants to enforce and doesn't want to enforce in other areas, he's creating new laws by fiat, by executive order. Let me give you some examples. The border, we just had a bill uh, that's come to light in the United States Senate. All that's going on here, folks, is the Dems are feeling the heat. That's all it is. They're scrambling to put something together to say, oh, look, we fixed the border. Yeah, right. Just like you fixed the economy okay? Don't be deceived. This bill has nothing to do with fixing the border. It's a combination of all kinds of spending, new bureaucracy, loopholes, and everything else. It's not going to fix the border. Experts have already said that we don't need a new law. All we need is for the government to do what it is supposed to do. They have the border police there. They have the people. They have the facilities. They have what they need. What is happening is their hands are being tied. They are not being allowed to enforce force the border, not being allowed to enforce immigration laws. This is corruption at its worst. And don't tell me that Joe Biden is somehow some massively compassionate individual who cares so much about illegal immigrants and all this sort of thing. If you care about these folks, you wouldn't do this. You would find ways to equip their countries to take care of them because this isn't going to help them. All it's going to do is destroy our country. And I believe personally that they know that. The point that I'm making today is the rule of law in America has to be restored. Without the rule of law, we do not have a republic. Without the rule of law, we do not have a nation, actually. We have a dictatorship. We have a banana republic, a non-republic. It's like a gang, really. It's not really the people anymore governing. The rule of law is critical uh, to our success and continuation as a country. Why don't we have the rule of law anymore? Well, we do, but I mean, why is it deteriorating so rapidly right in front of us? And I'm going to submit to you, it's because of this, because in America today, we have abandoned the love of the truth. We've abandoned the love of the truth. How many people do you know today, or have you heard that walk around that use the phrase, my truth? Well, my, in my truth, this, and in your truth, that. Oh, there is no truth, there's no absolute truth, there's only, you know, what you think, and truth is subjective, truth is relative. Oh, you can't claim to know the truth, all this nonsense. Ladies and gentlemen, without truth, there can be no justice, all right? Without truth, there can be no justice. Justice, to arrive at justice in a court proceeding, the first thing you have to do is find the truth, because what is justice? It's the impartial application of the law to the facts you got to find out what the facts are which means truth a truth finding process okay and so uh um but america sad to say has become more corrupt than i believe it probably has ever been you remember beginning in, and and uh, i have a caller on the line i'm going to get to you caller you just hang in there and be patient and it, and if you've got uh, calls today please call in i i will get to you eventually but you remember back in 2012, 2013 under the Obama administration when the IRS intentionally targeted with audits conservatives. They singled out the president's political enemies for persecution and prosecution. That came to light and they supposedly held back on it. But just recently, Biden signed into law a budget that, he, that, in a, that um, you know, spent $85 billion to hire new IRS agents and even to equip them with guns. What is that about? The Obama administration created a deep state unlike anything we've ever seen as he put progressive political activists in positions all throughout the federal government greatly expanding their ranks and they proceeded to subvert the neutrality of the Justice Department and the FBI and the intelligence apparatus of the United States, politicizing those organizations to turn them against the Democrats' political en- enemies. The first thing we saw, the first evidence, real evidence of this, was the treatment of Hillary Clinton's email server. Do you remember how she clearly violated the law by having millions of confidential documents on her private email server? She whitewashed the thing, destroyed it. But, and and no charges were ever filed. Nothing ever happened because of that. James Comey saying, oh, she lacked criminal intent. Yeah, right. Okay, Uh, and then we have the Russia collusion hoax, where the FBI and the intelligence agencies cooperated with the elite in the Democratic Party and Hillary Clinton to pay for a fake dossier on Donald Trump creating a, a picture of him colluding with the Russian government to interfere in the 2016 election. Rest assured, guys, when the progressives are accusing you of something, chances are really high that they're guilty of the same thing, right? And then they uh, issue uh, warrants, secret warrants out of the FISA court based on this fake evidence, ruining the lives of several people, including Donald Trump as president, putting him through two fake impeachment proceedings, creating all sorts of fake evidence and this kind of stuff. Just an absolutely horrific, embarrassing tragedy for America and for him personally. And then we have the we have um, the Hunter Biden laptop in the 2020 election comes to light that Joe Biden's son, Hunter, who's uh, on drugs and with prostitutes and all this other stuff, has forgotten that he left his laptop at some New Jersey computer shop to get fixed. And the FBI and the intelligence agencies intentionally create a disinformation campaign with the American media in collusion to convince the American public that this is a fake Russia story. Right? And, And this is the American government now intentionally deceiving the people. What is that if it's not election interference? And we have proof that the American government, the intelligence agencies that Obama put in place uh, colluded with social media during the 2020 election to affect the vote, suppressing information that was favorable to Donald Trump, inflating information that was favorable to Joe Biden, and, uh, and, and filtering ads and search results and all this other kind of nonsense, uh, creating fake um, uh, uh, what, what do you call that, where they, um, they, they supposedly review you for, for whether you're fake news, right? I forgot the name of it, but they're actually liberal operations trying to suppress conservatives. And then we have the January 6th matter, where they arrest hundreds and hundreds of Americans without trial, without uh, bail, throw them in prison, for what are relatively, you know, no damage to property, property, no violence to individuals. They go in through open doors into the Capitol, and I'm not saying they're totally innocent, you know, if they're knocking over barriers and climbing on scaffolding and there were some windows broken by a few people and this kind of stuff, but the January 6th so-called insurrection, compare the government response to that to the billions of dollars in damage and dozens of innocent lives killed during the riots across American cities in 2020 and 2021, the BLM riots and the Antifa riots, where they were allowed to burn down our cities, destroy police cars, kill people, maim people without with impunity. This is bias. This is corruption in government. This is not the rule of law. And I could go on. I could go on. I'm gonna pick this up in a minute. Um, let me just mention, before I let go, everybody knows about the treatment of Donald Trump as the federal government, government agents raid the president's private residence. Why? Because he supposedly has confidential documents stored there. Well, what president doesn't? Even Joe Biden himself had documents that were unsecured at his uh, Delaware home in his garage, for Pete's sake, out in the open, right? Uh, Documents at the UPenn Center and other places like this, unsecured. And yet, has anything been done about that? No, from when he was vice president. Has any search been made, any investigation been made into Barack Obama, into George Bush, and anybody else, no. Clearly political, we have lawsuits and criminal charges being filed, not in neutral locations, but in some of the most Democrat strongholds in America. How about in New York City, where it's 85% Democrat in Manhattan, or Washington, D.C., where the jury pool is 95% Democrat? Okay, Uh, this is all political prosecution. Um, And and I could go on and on. I'm going to pick this up in a minute. But we have a caller who's been holding on the line faithfully for a long time. And I want to go to this caller now. And um, uh, let's go now to Deb from Arizona. Uh, Deb, thank you so much for calling in. You have an interesting question, I think.
2: Well, I was just uh, I uh, watched the channel that shows uh, 541,759 ballots were not counted in 2022. And my question is, knowing the elect- election fraud that is so prevalent here, mm. I've gone through you know the 2022 and the uh, 2020 elections. How can I even be sure that my... My votes are being counted when they're breaking the laws, not even matching how many people came into the election center and how many ballots they got. They don't even match. Those are two laws right there that they're breaking. What can I do to make a difference?
0: Well, that's an excellent question, Deb. Thank you for that. Um, so uh, what you can do as a private citizen to support election integrity depends in part on where you live. So first thing you need to go, need to do is be familiar with the laws in the jurisdiction where you live. Uh, And I don't know the laws of Arizona, which I think you're from, but I I do think Arizona is a mail-in, is Arizona a mail-in ballot situation? They sure have it,
2: and it's still active now,
0: Okay, and I
2: live in Pendell County.
0: Okay, well, one thing you can do uh, is to vote in person. All right, now we do encourage people to vote early uh, because I think that voting early. Uh, helps to uh, make sure that your vote is counted. Um, And it's important for other reasons as well, but vote as early as you can, um, and if you can, vote in person. Um, The other thing is uh, with mail-in ballot states, I know this is true where we are in Colorado, but you might want to check on this to see if it's true in Arizona, is there may be a ballot tracking service available through the state Secretary of State or maybe your county election official. Uh, where your ballot will be affiliated with your name or something like that. And of course, you don't know what how you filled out your ballot, but you can track whether your ballot once you turn it in has been counted. All right, so you might look into that. The third thing I would recommend is that you check in with your local county or election department, wherever that might be, and see if there's a way for you to volunteer to be an election judge or a poll watcher. Normally, those procedures, uh, citizens can volunteer for that. And you uh, will go through some training to learn about the process and be qualified. In Virginia in 2018, uh, no, excuse me, uh, uh, 2022, I think it was, um, a concerted effort was made to recruit Christians to be poll watchers and election judges. And those folks uh, saw enough irregularities uh, that they were able to disqualify um, a number of votes, thousands of votes, that ended up being equal to the margin of victory for the conservatives uh, in the elections that year, whether conservatives took back the state of Virginia. So if it's possible to be an election judge or a, or a poll watcher, I encourage you to do that. The other thing you might do is reach out to your local Republican party and see what advice and recommendations they have that might help you make sure that your vote is lawfully counted and to support election integrity efforts in the state of arizona so i hope that's helpful for you uh one other thing is if you go on the truth and liberty side and look under our resources center find uh information on election integrity perhaps there will be other things that you can do or organizations you can become involved with to help make a difference all right deb thanks for calling in of course election integrity uh, it really is a rule of law issue too, isn't it? We're talking about honesty and integrity in government, right? And the and the critical need that we restore this. And I, when before Deb called in, I or before I took her call, I was talking about the prosecutions against Donald Trump. Well, there's another category of prosecutions that Joe Biden is uh, engaging in, and, I, and this is obviously biased as well, and these are prosecutions under the FACE Act. What's FACE? That stands for Fair Access to Clinic I don't know what the E is, clinic entrances, I think, face, fair interest to clinic entrances. It's basically a law that says it's a crime under federal law if you block the entrance to an abortion clinic. All right. So we got to make sure that moms wanting an abortion get to go in and have their abortion without being harassed or blocked or intimidated. That's the idea behind the law. Okay. so in twenty twenty two. The opinion, draft opinion in Dobbs versus Mississippi, was leaked to the public. This is the case that overturned Roe versus Wade. You remember when that when that was leaked, all heck broke loose in the United States, and uh, you know when it did, um, all of a sudden, pregnancy resource centers, Catholic churches, and conservative evangelical churches all across America became targets targets for violence we had in 24 states in our nation, we had over 40 attacks against pregnancy resource centers or churches. The Biden administration has given lip service to, oh, that's we can't tolerate violence, blah, blah, blah. But they've only prosecuted twice, only two times, only two prosecutions for all this violence. But on the other hand, they have prosecuted Um, 24 different prosecutions since that same point in time under the FACE Act. Now, before the the, the, the Dobbs case was leaked, they didn't hardly prosecute anybody under FACE. So here we have a a direct comparison, right? And this is, they've been, uh, just last week we had six defendants convicted um, under the FACE Act and sentenced to 10 to 11 years in jail. What were they doing, guys? What were they doing? They were praying and singing songs on a pavilion that was connected to or adjacent to the entrance to an abortion center. Law enforcement came, told them to leave. They said, no, we're not breaking the law. We're not going to leave. And they were arrested and prosecuted under federal law. Okay. So, uh, so, so don't tell me that this, this is the unbiased prosecutor, uh, you know, application of law. It's clearly not. Um, you remember Mark Houck, perhaps you heard of him. He's the guy that two or three years ago, FBI agents showed up at his home in full strategic gear with his kids and family and everything and arrested the guy on his front lawn, hauled him out of his house and arrested him. Why? Because he had been, he had dared to be praying in front of an abortion center, Right. Mark Houck went to trial and the jury said, you're crazy, government, he's not guilty. They entered an acquittal for him. So um, this problem of the rule of law and its its, uh, erosion in America is a really big, big problem, guys. I've got pages and pages of examples and notes here on this subject. But I want you to get equipped on this. I want you to understand it. I want you to begin talking about it with your candidates running for office, with elected officials, with local law enforcement. We must restore the rule of law in America or we will not have a republic anymore. It is a critical feature. And I thank God for the progress made at the United States Supreme Court. Trump made some fantastic appointees originalist constitutionalist textualists and they're doing a great work but but we are by no means out of the woods legally speaking from this progressive assault on the rule of law on our freedoms without the rule of law we do not have a free country okay because the government could then go after you for whatever reason it wants to eliminate political opponents and silence speech and your participation in government and we cannot allow that to happen All right. We're up now against the second break. This is the Truth and Liberty live call-in show. Call in with your questions or comments. I'd love to hear from you. We're going to be back uh, to wrap this up in our final segment in 90 seconds.
1: Are you in ministry and want to connect with other like-minded ministers? Andrew Womack founded the Association of Related Ministries International, or ARMY, to serve, equip, and empower you for success in your ministry through relationships,
3: community, and resources. But Just being a part of this, uh, being filled with the Word of God and with ARMY and fellowshipping, knowing that I have other ministers with me, it is awesome. We have met such precious people through Army. Uh, There's people
0: I know I can call when I'm in a jam.
2: Ministers have a safe place to come. We can unify and unite for the kingdom.
1: As an Army member, some of the benefits you'll enjoy are Bible teaching correspondence courses, regional advocates for personal support and ministry, regional events for networking, one-on-one ministry and encouragement, our monthly newsletter and more. You don't have to do ministry alone. Join this growing network of dynamic and elite ministers from across the U.S. and around the world today.
0: All right, guys, I'm back here with you on the Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. I'm Richard Harris uh, and just so thankful for the opportunity to be with you today. And uh, here's your chance, guys. Call in, ask me any question you want and uh, I'd be happy to talk to you. Listen, we've been talking about the rule of law. We've been talking about the corruption in the Biden administration and I'm only scratching the surface here. Uh, I was talking about the difference between the Biden administration's approach of its Justice Department to the the dozens and dozens of cases where churches and pro-life centers were attacked and vandalized versus them going after people praying and singing on abortion clinic sidewalks and how ridiculous this is. They're using the apparatus of the federal government to go against their political opponents and to silence those who disagree with them on progressive agenda items. Um, another example, I'm going I'm to ask for a video here in just a second, but the, um, uh, the, the leading cause or the leading method of abortion now in America is not surgical abortion. It's not where women go into a clinic and have uh, their baby killed. I'm sorry to be so blunt, uh, but they actually get a pill and take a pill that causes their body to expel that child from their womb. And this is called the it's actually two doses of medication called the abortion pill and um, the Biden administration I would submit to you has unlawfully made that pill accessible by mail throughout the United States. Right. Well it's illegal. There's a law on the books in America called the Comstock Act and it prohibits the use of the United States mail for illegal purposes. And it specifically says that abortion-causing medicine shall not be transmitted through the mail of the United States. Well, the Biden administration just conveniently issues a new interpretation of that law, an order, that says, gosh, we don't think this law applies unless the person who sends the drug intends to cause an abortion. Um, Of course, Uh, You know, what a what a giant loophole and how ridiculous. But now we have abortion medication being mailed in millions uh, to millions of people across the land, women not having the advice of a doctor, not under the care of a doctor um, and, uh, you know, injured and suffering because of it, not to mention the incredible loss of human life. All right, so they just conveniently dismiss the laws they don't want to interpret, they don't want to enforce. You know, I was talking about these folks who were convicted last week of a violation of the FACE Act. I think we have a video that was shown in a previous Truth and Liberty episode that our amazing production team has created that shows the protests that have landed them in jail potentially for 10 to 11 years. Guys, if, that's video, if that video is already now, let's go ahead and roll that. Did you see those hardened criminals there? Did you see those thugs, those uh, you know, rapists and murderers singing to God? It's really pathetic, isn't it? Okay, um, this is the United States of America here. The, it's basically an illegal trespass that's been, because of progressives, has been transformed into a major felony, right? That you would dare to prevent a woman from killing her baby just by sitting in the floor and singing? Uh, this is ridiculous. And something has to be done about it. You know, if we look again, um, let me give you a couple other examples here before I talk about the border again. You know, the Justice Department issued a subpoena recently to the Alabama Eagle Forum. The Eagle Forum is a pro-freedom, pro-family organization activist organization that's been around for you know a long time but their their Alabama office just got subpoenaed by the Alabama not just but a couple of years ago subpoenaed by the by the United States Justice Department under the Biden administration the 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 FBI this is a little organization they may have two employees and a handful of volunteers and they've issued them a subpoena wanting every single document related to every interaction this organization has ever had with the legislature in Alabama, supposedly. Now, I tried to read the the scope of the subpoena, I'll admit to you, I didn't get the whole thing read, but I could tell at a glance that this thing was burdensome and ridiculous. And why did they do this? Because the Eagle Forum dared to advocate for a ban on transgender surgery and hormone replacement therapy on minors in Alabama. The Alabama legislature adopted that law, and so the Justice Department of the United States is going after them. In our cities today, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Chicago, New York, Philadelphia, all over the place, prosecutors are refusing to prosecute crimes, unilaterally deciding to waive bail To let crimes like uh, shoplifting and drug uh, uh, use and prostitution and petty violence go uh, unprosecuted, letting criminals out on the street. You know, the situation was so bad in San Francisco that when they had the Chinese premier come or whoever it was, they had to cover the whole thing up. It's such a cesspool. Right. This is progressivism. To even give them the benefit of the doubt would be to say because they're doing it because they honestly believe that our system is corrupt. The worst-case scenario is that this is an intentional effort by Marxists to undermine this nation and cause its collapse. Those, uh, um, the the, uh, the border, let's talk about the border for a minute. We're now up tens of millions of people, did you know that um, up in, Uh, Up until 2023, only about 1,100 to 1,500 Chinese nationals had ever been recorded of crossing the border illegally. This is going to scare the pants off you. I don't want to scare you, but I want you to wake up. In 2023 alone, there were 11,000 communist Chinese nationals enter illegally into the United States. We do not even know where these people are. There were thousands of people coming into America, tens of thousands from countries that sponsor terrorism or harbor known terrorist organizations. Not to mention drug dealers, gang members, cartel members, human traffickers, sex traffickers, and everything else. Of course, there are lots and lots of people who are just, you know, people trying to find a better life. I don't, I I know that's true but you've also gotten mixed in lots of bad people. And even the good people, we need to have a system of law in order to manage this immigration in a lawful way. A country without borders is not a country. So um, This all goes back to the rule of law, to putting your country above yourself, to understanding that you're not God, understanding that there is a thing called truth, that there is a thing called representative or Republican government, and that we are all supposed to be following the law, that no one is above the law. And so, um, the other thing I wanna talk about, um, if I have time in today's show, is the subject of uh, persecution against Christians, which is on the rise. Before I do that though, let's take a caller who's on the line right now. Looks, I'm gonna, it looks like Suneo, Uh, I hope I said that right, Suneo, is calling in from the beautiful state of Hawaii. Suneo, thank you for calling Truth and Liberty. What's your question today?
3: Yes. Uh,
2: hi. Thank you, Richard. My question is, uh, your guests were talking about Supreme Court, and uh, so Trump's case, In the, is that the Supreme Court will take Trump's election case in timely manner?
0: Yes, very good question. This is, uh, uh, and I think, uh, Sunil, you're talking about Uh, He's there is the case that is brought by Jack Smith, a special prosecutor appointed by Biden, a hardcore Democrat who has filed charges against Donald Trump in Washington, D.C., in the District Court of Washington, D.C., so an incredibly liberal district for um, um, intentional uh, overturning of election, you know, the January 6th stuff insurrection. But he's also tagged on. Uh, alleged crimes related to retaining so-called confidential documents, right? So this is all just a you know, political attack against Donald Trump. Um, uh, however, because he's in a Democrat stronghold, Washington, D.C., um, with liberal judges and everything else, this is, a real, this is a really dangerous situation. Your question is, is he gonna get elected president in time to save himself, I think is what you're asking. Um, and the truth is that we don't know. Um, I think the odds are, have tilted now uh, slightly to be in Donald Trump's favor that that case will not go to trial before he, uh, the election in November, but we don't know. Here's the thing, he just, um, the, the special prosecutor uh, uh, asked for a review of the question, legal question of special immunity, presidential immunity. It went to the United States District uh, or Circuit Court for the District of Columbia, it's called, we call it the D.C. Circuit, and they just ruled yesterday, holding that Trump did not have presidential immunity for his alleged violations of the law. Um, and so now that issue, what will happen is Trump will appeal that ruling from the D.C. Circuit to the United States Supreme Court. He actually has, if I understand it correctly, has 90 days to make that appeal. So that would put him we're now February the first of February that would put him uh, at the first of May to uh, before uh, he even has to file. And then the Supreme Court uh, who knows how long it will take before they rule on it even setting a, a motion dead, uh schedule in a hearing. So let's say the court expedites it and they rule on it and they issue an opinion. Uh, adverse to Trump. If it's in favor of Trump, then he wins and the case is over. If it's adverse to Trump, you know, maybe maybe thirty days, sixty days out, that would put put us in June, July, or potentially even August. So now at that point you're just four to five months at, at the longest before the election. If they do that, then the case goes back down to the United States District Court where the charges are filed and there has to be a, a trial scheduling order entered. If there's more discovery to do more, uh, more emotions, hearings and so on. The chances of Donald Trump being actually tried to a jury in that case, not talking about the others, in that case before the election are probably uh, less than 30%. Uh, 40 percent. I don't. I want to be super cautious on this because I'm not really 100 percent knowledgeable of all the procedural status of everything in the case. But I think he's got the edge on it at this point uh, in terms of it uh, being uh, resolved before the election. So but uh, but you never know. The Supreme Court could could fast track it. There could be other things happen uh, that cause it to get done. We do know that Jack Smith, the biased prosecutor, wants it done before the election because, of course, he's not after justice. He's after politics. wants to keep Trump out of office. All right, so anyway, I hope that answers your question. Let's all keep Donald Trump uh, and our entire country in your prayers. All right, Sineo, thank you for calling in. Let me get back to this question of the rule of law and persecution. You know, uh, Congress issued a report recently. uh, The committee, special committee in the House of Representatives that was formed um, with respect to the Hunter Biden matter um, issued a report, and I'm, I've got the table of contents of this report in front of me. This is a 77-page document. Actually, uh, probably 78 or 80 pages. Anyway, they outline here what the evidence has shown so far in their hearings. And they're saying here that the Justice Department afforded preferential treatment to President Biden's son, Witnesses described how the department deviated from standard operating procedure to afford Hunter Biden special treatment. The FBI bureaucrats impeded the investigation into Hunter Biden by slow walking uh, it and withholding relevant information. Senior officials at the, at the Delaware United States Attorney's Office uh, attempted to avoid receiving information that could implicate President Biden in criminal activity. This is corruption at its core. This is Chicago style politics, right in the White House, right in the highest levels of our government. Prosecutors in uh, the, the special prosecutor, uh, or, or uh, Weiss, uh, in his office, they allowed the statute of limitations for some of Hunter Biden's offenses to lapse on purpose. Okay? And on and on it goes. Um, The Biden administration has sought to influence the investigation in a manner favorable to President Biden, including here a statement that Biden's attorneys uh, are pushing the Justice Department to investigate witnesses in retaliation for their testimony in the matter, which is clearly illegal, right? Witness intimidation. There's a document that I pulled off the internet. Today, by the uh, uh, America First Policy Institute, the title of it is "Weaponization of Government is Worse Than You Think." This just chrono- chrono- uh, chronology, chronology, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> right, lists a summary in chronological order. There you go, of various scandals and events and things that have come to light over the last few years. Some of these I've already talked about, but I wanted to hit on some of these. Um, you remember when the Homeland Security in, the, in 2022 under Mayorkas created the quote-unquote disinformation board, right? This so-called panel of leftist elites was going to police communications in the United States to make sure people were transmitting so-called factual information, right? Fortunately, that thing got disbanded when the public there was a public outcry over it. I mentioned how George Soros is appointing leftist prosecutors all over the country who are refusing to enforce the law. Do you know the Department of Education under Joe Biden, their civil rights uh, office is investigating six religiously affiliated colleges for so-called discrimination against LGBT students, even though the colleges are clearly permitted under the religion exemption clause of Title IX, to um, choose not to permit behavior and conduct that is contrary to the core tenets of their faith, right? So a Christian college is being investigated for, uh, for not allowing LGBT students to uh, live that lifestyle actively and still be members of the Christian college. The Department of Justice also Um, I mentioned how they're failing to protect churches and and pregnancy resource centers. How about this one? You remember when the DOJ, Department of Justice, targeted parents that were daring to come to school board meetings and raise their voices against the radical LGBT uh, agenda that was being uh, implemented in our schools? You remember the man in in, uh, Florida, Loudoun County, I think it was, school board, whose daughter was raped. By a so-called transgender boy in the girl's bathroom. And he went to the school board and began to protest about it, and they hauled him out of there in handcuffs and arrested him. And there was a letter from the National School Board Association uh, that called on the Department of Justice to use the Patriot Act against parents that dare to do these kinds of things at school board. The Patriot Act, is does, one of the elements of it is designed to empower the FBI to uh, fight against domestic terrorism. So they're saying, these are domestic terrorists. And the uh, uh, Merrick Garland, the attorney general, uh, helped him out on that um, and uh, forwarded that letter over to the FBI. And um, on the Department of Education, Miguel Cardona solicited that letter. Turns out he's the one that asked for it. He's the one that asked that it be sent in to the FBI. So this is just you know, once again, leftists viewing the government as a tool to advance their own political agenda with no respect for the sacred freedoms of this nation. The Biden administration, here's another thing. The military academies of the United States, the official military academies, West Point, Annapolis, the Air Force Academy right here in Colorado Springs, they have boards that govern them. And under tradition, the president gets to appoint the members of those advisory boards, right? They're not governing boards, they're advisory boards. And when a new president takes office, he, the tradition is he doesn't fire the past president's uh, appointees. He merely fills vacancies during his term of office. Well, Joe Biden fired 18 Trump appointees so that now the military advisory boards for the military academies of the United States, there is not a single... Conservative member of those boards because of Joe Biden. You remember the Justice Department? Uh, you may not remember this one, but they actually issued a memo declaring that the Betsy Ross flag—you know, the one with the 13 stars in a circle—and the Gadsden flag—you know, the one with the serpents, "Don't tread on the serpent, don't tread on me"—that was used during the American Revolution that these flags are actually uh, racist, right-wing extremist symbols that should alert law enforcement to the potential of domestic terrorism. Um, And I could go on and on, you guys. This is is what's happening. Let me share one more example, and then I'm going to take a question. This one I just learned about recently. This is an article from 2022 published by the Heritage Foundation that I'm looking at here. During the Obama administration, there was a policy um, whereby the Obama Justice Department would sue businesses and organizations for some so-called violation of federal law or whatever, and then um, they would threaten these organizations with billions of dollars or hundreds of millions of dollars in damages and fines. And then once they scared the pants off of these organizations, you know, who are looking at not only the possibility of losing, but, you know, big-time litigation costs just to hire lawyers to defend them, the Department of Justice would come and offer them a settlement offer. And the, the offer would be like this, hey, you know, we'll make these charges go away if you'll just pay this exorbitant amount of money not to the federal government. No, no, no. Pay it to these left wing organizations over here that are uh, advancing our agenda. Have you ever heard of this? <laughs> Pretty maddening, isn't it? Pretty infuriating. The, this article says the Biden Justice Department recently. Now, this is Biden now. After Trump, Trump rescinded that policy, stopped it. Biden comes in, His Justice Department proposes resurrecting this practice that left left wing operatives gave them control over a slush fund to reward their political allies with the public's money. This article cites two examples. One, there were housing settlement cases coming out of the 2008 financial crisis where Obama Justice Department handed out money to quote unquote housing counseling programs at the Department of Housing and Urban Development. Congress stripped money from those programs because, uh, had stripped money from them because HUD spread the money around to groups like La Raza, a, a radical left-wing Marxist organization. And then we have uh, Volkswagen Emissions Settlement where the federal government sues Volkswagen and ends up forcing or getting them through a settlement to pay $2 billion to fund an electric car initiative that Congress had already rejected. Okay? So, um, Merrick Garland, he issued a memo uh, proposing a rule change that would allow Justice Department to once again begin to engage in these anti-Republican, anti-freedom corrupt practices. So guys, um, this, is, this is a very real problem, a very real situation. And uh, I want to share one more thing with you. I alluded to this during uh, Kelly Shackelford's segment, our first segment here on the show today, but our good friends at the Family Research Center, what an amazing organization, I tell you. They have done so much to defend faith, family, and freedom um, there at the, uh, at the FRC. Um, you know, with Tony Perkins, the president, uh, the executive vice president, General Boykin, our very good friends. They uh, issued a report uh, detailing the intensifying intolerance and persecution against Christians in the West. This just came out, I've got it right in front of me. We're gonna load this to our website. It's gonna be a resource which you all can look at. Um, But in this, Tony Perkins says this. He says, during my time as the chair and commissioner of the United States Commission on Internal Religious Freedom, I saw a market that was under the Trump administration. Okay, now that organization is packed with progressives under Joe Biden and Muslims and Unitarians or uh, all kinds of people, you know, get rid of the the conservative Christians. We don't want the people that are actually being persecuted to be on the panel for international religious freedom. No, they might do something or say something that's anti-progressive. So get them out of there, right? Tony Perkins did serve on it though, during the Trump administration. And he says, during my time as chair and commissioner, I saw a marked rise in violations of religious freedom against Christians. This occurred not only in long-standing persecution hotspots, such as China, Pakistan, and India, but also across the West. It is shocking to see Western countries, the same ones we think of as free and open societies, take authoritarian measures against Christians simply trying to live out their faith. Hostility toward Bible-believing Christians is clearly and steadily rising in the West." This report details numerous infringements, including those related to restrictions on speech and public prayer. These abuses are alarming for anyone who understands that the historic understanding of religious freedom is the ability to live your life according to your faith in every aspect of your life. So um, I uh, was at an event recently where the left wing speaker said that conservative evangelical Christians say that they're being persecuted. He said this is false outright. With all due respect, he doesn't know what he's talking about. This document shows that in the United, it it has 85 examples, the United States alone, of persecution against Christians by governmental uh, uh, forces. I'll just read the top two. Okay, I don't have time for more than that because I want to get to our caller here. Pastor criminally charged for allowing homeless to sleep at his church, November 2023. Chris Avell, the pastor of Dad's Place in Bryan, Ohio, allows the city's homeless to stay in the church overnight as part of a church's ministry to the local community. In November 23, the city ordered the church to stop allowing people to stay overnight, and a month later, the police administered 18 criminal charges to the church for violating city zoning laws. Um, Here's one. uh, Church charged with excessive fees by the county utility company. Grace Community Church in the Woodlands, Texas, was constructing a new building and needed to connect to the water line. After the church communicated with the district regarding a price, the district imposed a fee 150% greater than the cost of installation. When the church stated it was tax-exempt, the district doubled the previously inflated fee. A lawsuit's been filed on their behalf. Praise the Lord. I bet it was Kelly Shackelford or one of our other good friends that work in that area. But, guys, this is where we are as Americans. We need to make sure we wake up. Let's make the rule of law. Let's make religious freedom. Let's make truth and and, and honesty in government anti-corruption. Let's make it an issue. Let's talk about it. Let's talk to our representatives about it. Let's talk to candidates about it. Let's speak up to our friends and neighbors about it. And I've got a lot more that I can say on this subject, but I I think I've worn you out, so I'm gonna stop. Plus, we have a caller on the line, uh, so I'm gonna go to him now, with three minutes left in the show. Uh, Let's go to Frank, uh, our frequent caller here from the state of Missouri. Brother Frank, thanks for calling in. What's your question today, sir?
3: Uh, You know, I'm listening to you, uh, Dr. Harris. uh, You know, I, I, I talk about the Mount of Olives a lot. I've lived there 90 days and I've been threatened with bodily harm. You say you tell me about the Montevalls one more time. You know, it's uh, anyways. I, that's not my question. I just that's extra. Okay. Uh, you know, you. Get, but uh, the question of uh, the have you heard of the uh, Boy Scout of America uh, abuse case? And uh, you know what? What is your take on it? There's like seventy thousand guys that that were. Abused and uh, and uh, there's a bunch of lawyers that are taking care of that case. That wasn't my real question. My, you know, my real question was about uh, uh, in the haves and the have-nots. The, the, okay. The court system. Yeah. The court- okay.
0: So we're down. So let me, buddy and Frank. I really apologize for doing that, but we've only got two minutes left. Okay. So you want to know about the Boy Scout case, and you, I think, I, I think you want to know, do our courts discriminate against the poor? Is that right? Yes. All right. Okay, brother. So, um, I know about the Boy Scout cases in general, but I'm not aware of any corruption allegations in the courts with respect to that, so I can't comment on that further than that. Uh, sex abuse allegations in lawsuits uh, filed against the Boy Scouts of America have almost put that organization into bankruptcy. Um, it's a it's a really big deal. Um, but that's all I know at this point. With respect to our courts, do our courts discriminate against the poor? Um, I think it's very rare that a United States uh, court would discriminate against a poor person because they're poor. But what we do see in America a lot is we see the uh, difficulty uh, in that poor people have, it's it's difficult for them to get access to the same level of justice as it is wealthy people. And it's simply because of the way that our attorney's uh, system operates. Lawyers in America work for money. And if you don't have money, it's hard to hire a lawyer. We do in every state of the union, and in all major cities, there are legal aid organizations that, uh, uh, that where attorneys volunteer and they provide what we call pro bono services to the poor, free services to help them in, in uh, a variety of minor cases. We also will appoint lawyers for criminal defendants so that money is never an issue there. But you know, as a practical matter, that's a tough one to crack. Uh, We don't want to subsidize litigation costs because that will create perverse incentives. Uh, But we can all find legal aid organizations and support them financially, although, on the, uh, the other side of the coin is that many of them pursue left-wing progressive agendas. So it's a tough situation. I don't know of any overt discrimination against the poor, but it can be tough in America if you are poor to hire a lawyer. Uh, Frank, that's all the time I've got. I'm sorry I don't have more. To all of you, thanks for watching today. Be sure to check out our Resources Center. And Andrew's going to be hosting tomorrow's Truth and Liberty. Uh, Gene Bailey from Flashpoint is going to be his guest, so you won't want to miss. Tune in to tomorrow's Truth and Liberty show at p.m. Mountain Time. God bless you all. I'll see you again this Friday as I host Truth and Liberty for the next time. See you then. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.